2: Mr. President, I rise today to address the need to reform our military justice system. By every measure that you can imagine, we are moving in the wrong direction.
0: Why does something that seems pretty common sense and has wide bipartisan support get stalled in the United States Senate? A case study is the current debate over how to address military sexual assault, an issue the Pentagon and Congress has grappled with for years. Over those years, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York has built support for her legislation to overhaul the military justice system to address this. And This year, she hit a high watermark with more than 60 colleagues supporting her efforts. But the legislation doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. Why? Well, lucky for us, we've got CQ Roll Call Senior Editor Megan Scully, who has covered the issue for years. Megan, welcome to Political Theater.
2: Thanks for having me, Jason. So let's
0: let's kind of start at at just at the you know the beginning. Let's do the you know kind of quick recap of of several years of uh, fighting over this issue. Uh, But you know this this has been a problem in the military for years. It's been described as an epidemic uh, that that there are military there are sexual assaults within the ranks at a rate far higher than we see in the general population. Uh, When did the Pentagon start realizing this is a a problem, and when did Congress start to get involved?
2: Well, I think that the Pentagon has known it's a problem for some time. Uh, There wasn't much action on it until Congress got involved over a decade ago, and it was sort of a strange coalition um, involving Susan Collins and Jackie Speier in the House and um, Michael Turner, uh, a House Republican, uh, who got on board with the issue because of concerns about a constituent. Uh, It took off, really, uh, about eight years ago when Senator Gillibrand made it a high-profile issue, and her bill, uh, which she has pushed for over the last eight years now, would basically take the decision for prosecuting a crime within the military's ranks uh, out of the hands of a military commander. Right now, the commander is the one who decides whether a felony like uh, rape or um, even murder gets prosecuted. And there are those on the Hill who say that this leads to decisions that are uh, discriminatory uh, against both women and minorities and that crimes go un unprosecuted. So what she wants to do is she wants lawyers to actually make that decision on all crimes aside from those that are uniquely military, like going AWOL. The Pentagon has long been against this, saying that commanders need this tool to enforce good order and discipline in the ranks. And Congress has has typically bought that argument over the years. Uh, Gillibrand has, has had a very small coalition behind her and, 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 and kind of a unique one um, that has included folks like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. Uh, you don't usually see them all on the same piece of legislation. But most lawmakers have been opposed to it and and have said, you know, they agree with the Pentagon that the commander should retain this authority. But as the years have gone on and instances of sexual assault within the military have gone uncurbed, just despite some sort of uh, other measures put in place by Congress, she's grown more and more support. It's really sort of hit a crescendo uh, in the last year or two. And as you said, her bill now has the support of over 60, I believe it's 66 right now, um, 67 including her, uh, members of the Senate. Uh, That includes Mitch McConnell. Um, It includes um, many Republicans. Uh, But it does not include Jack Reed, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, and James Inhofe, the ranking member
0: and just to kind of reiterate how weird the military justice system can be sometimes the commander could be the one accused of a crime and deciding on whether that will be prosecuted right i mean that that's an extreme example but like in 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 some cases though the military the commanders who are ruling on some of this stuff are actually part of they could conceivably be you know, a part of the case itself.
2: They could be, you know, I mean, the commander would have a commander. So, you know, presumably he wouldn't be, or she wouldn't be deciding a case directly that they're involved in, but the commanders do kind of set the tone for those who work for them. So when there is a crime like rape or harassment or murder in their ranks, um, it, it may be in their best interest to cover it up especially if you know if it's particularly bad in their own ranks so and you also have the the issue of um, cronyism within the military so uh, a woman or man there are men in the military who are raped as well uh, may not want to come forward and accuse a, a a colleague of of rape or or another crime because they They feel like the Commander is buddies with um with the person with their assailant, so it it is a very sort of uniquely military problem um in a culture that has not seemed to improve at all um despite countless provisions and uh enacted by Congress and um you know even efforts within the Pentagon to curb this so it really comes down to Gillibrand argues. Taking this authority away from commanders,
0: and about you know the the two leaders of the Senate Armed Services Committee. I mean, what we have seen you know repeatedly over the last month or so since Gillibrand hit the sixty uh, you know vote or uh, support mark is that she will uh, she'll go to the floor of the Senate. She will ask unanimous consent because everything works on unanimous consent in the Senate to bring up her legislation. Uh, and to consider it on the floor, something that is within her her uh, rights as a, as a senator. And then Jack Reed, the Democrat from Rhode Island, who chairs the um, the Senate Armed Services Committee and is a Democratic colleague, will object.
2: Mr. President, as if in legislative session, I ask unanimous consent that, at a time to be determined by the majority leader in consultation with the Republican leader, the Senate Armed Services Committee be discharged from further consideration of S one five two zero and the Senate proceed to its consideration, that there be two hours for debate equally divided in the usual form, and that upon the use or yielding back of that time, the Senate vote on the bill with no intervening action or, the de- or debate.
0: Is there objection? I
1: uh, preserve my right to object, Mr. President.
0: The Senator from Rhode Island.
1: Well, thank you very much, Mr. President. I would like to first... Engage in a colloquy with Senator Inhofe, the ranking member of the committee, on the processes we will use to consider all the ideas and amendments I expect will be offered by committee members to address the investigation and prosecution of sexual assault and related crimes under the UCMJ in the annual defense bill.
0: And it has been this sort of uh... Forgive the term political theater, uh, where Gillibrand, of course, she would like to get this bill on the floor, but she kind of knows that Jack Reed is lurking there and going to object. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about Reed's um, background because he has a military background, uh, and and it and and it doesn't fit neatly into the the type of you know sort of profile you would expect for somebody to just you know put the kibosh on a colleague's um, sort of you know. You know, real, like long-fought legislative effort,
2: so um i'll I'll just go back real quick and say, you know, there's a long history of Democrats on that committee uh, opposing Gillibrand's efforts when Carl Levin was the chairman. Uh, he strongly opposed it. Um, so did people like Claire McCaskill. um this was many years ago. Uh, and um. So, But Jack Reed is a West Point grad. Um, he is a retired military officer. And it, yes, he's repeatedly going to the floor. Gillibrand wants to bring this bill up as a standalone, um, and she's seeking unanimous request to do so. Uh, Jack Reed is, is smacking her down at, at every turn because he wants to include it in the, the massive uh, national defense authorization bill, which his committee will mark up mostly behind closed doors um, next month.
1: I think we all would prefer that prevention, command climate, all of these factors be such that adjudication is not necessary because the crimes, the incidents, the difficulties, the mental and physical anguish that victims incur have been avoided because we have taken the steps to prevent these actions from taking place in our military forces.
2: Now, Reid does support, he has come around to supporting taking crimes, sex crimes, um, the decision for prosecuting sex crimes outside the chain of command. So he's on the same page as members of the Joint Chiefs and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. That is, that is a, a, a pretty big pivot for him. What he and the Joint Chiefs and Inoff and some others oppose is expanding that to include all non-uniquely military crimes. Now, what Gillibrand argues and, and her supporters is what happens if, for instance, two crimes occur? If somebody is both raped and murdered, then who decides whether that it gets prosecuted the other issue that has percolated recently is 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 a race issue and the fact is that more that that black service members uh, are prosecuted for crimes at more than two times the rate that their white colleagues are are prosecuted for the same crimes. So what she's saying is, you know, we need to level the playing field here. Um, We need to kind of take this cronyism outside of the decision for prosecution, not just for sexual assault, but but for all major crimes. And Reid opposes that.
0: Right. And and, and this week, you know, we we as as we're recording this podcast, we saw um, that uh, Jim Inhofe, the Oklahoma Republican, who's the ranking member on the Armed Services Committee, uh, he he, you know, was sort of showing some letters that the Joint Chiefs had written, like in the middle, of, you know, sort of yeah. of this debate. This is like talk about that a little bit.
2: So the Joint Chiefs really, you know, they. <laughs> they jumped right, right into this um, as as we're kind of heading into sort of uh, the middle of legislative season, particularly for defense policy. And what they said was, you know, we're on board. You know, we recognize that there's a sexual assault problem within the military um, and that all of these efforts have not solved the problem. So go ahead and, and do this sort of pared down version where we Repeal military justice, or not repeal? We re, we overhaul military justice just for these sexual crimes. But what we cannot stand by is sort of this more, uh, this broader overhaul that would that would include murder, that would include other issues, um, and and they're you know kind of thrusting themselves right in the middle of this really hot button political debate. In the past, uh, previous members of the Joint Chiefs have, um, have testified against Gillibrand's measure as well. So that itself is not unique, um, but given sort of the, the groundswell of support on members of both parties um, and the Joint Chiefs and, and, and the Defense Secretary continuing to, um, to fight against this broader Gillibrand proposal is, is really um, something to see
0: and one of the things i've just you know as as i've been sort of note taking note and and covering it too i mean i i, I um i covered a, a documentary that came out a few years ago in in uh, um, 2012 2013 called the invisible war by a filmmaker named Kirby dick no relation to, uh, to me although he's also from arizona which is odd uh but it, but the, his film uh, uh with his producer amy zering was about it was the first time that i had realized you know the extent of of the of the problem in the military ranks, and and when I feel like that that film, I mean, not a lot of people watch documentaries, uh, but that film did inject into the public consciousness people's stories because yes. when you when you see the numbers, it's staggering, but then when you hear. Uh, you know, kind of the pain in a in a in a service member's voice when they're talking about the fact that they they couldn't, as 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 you were kind of alluding to, they they couldn't, they didn't feel like they could go to their commanding officer because you know they were either friends with somebody who was the assailant or the accused, uh, and then since then, in the intervening years, we've seen a number of. Uh, particularly women in Congress, senators and, and House members who have had some of the, their, their own same experience. And so like Martha McSally, a former uh, senator, Republican senator from Arizona, she talked about her, uh, you know, uh, when she was sexually assaulted by one of her um, colleagues. And then Joni Ernst, uh, who is in the Republican leadership uh, uh, circle in uh, is a Republican from Iowa, she's joined on with Gillibrand's uh like legislation do you think that this is what has brought us so as far as we have been because people are actually sharing these stories as opposed to them being kind of tucked away in like a an inspector general's report
2: yeah i think that the whole me too movement has certainly brought this to light you know this is a problem as we know throughout society um but within the military because of the culture um and because of the justice system uh it it is really heightened. So I think that people like Joni Ernst um, and Martha McSally coming out and talking about their own experiences with sexual assault um, certainly has helped propel this forward. Um, I think last year um, the brutal um, assault and and murder of Vanessa Guyon at um, Fort Hood and the ongoing problems at Fort Hood on this issue uh, have really added urgency to the debate um, the house bill is actually named after her uh, and there is um there's this concern that you know these crimes are are so heinous and so graphic in in, in some instances um particularly as women are you know finally getting you know more leadership roles within the military. Um, combat is is becoming open to women. Um, there have been advances within the military in regards to issues facing women. Uh, but are women going to get into leadership positions? Are, are women going to stay in the military uh, if there is this ongoing concern about sexual assault? And I should say once again, men also do face sexual assault within the military. That is that is something that is um, that is often overlooked in this debate.
0: Yeah, I actually I remember just my the screening of Invisible War. This is years ago now. Uh, some of the the. Um, revelations that came from male service members. Yeah. I mean, people literally gasped in the theater. Um, and and it was just, it was one of those things that just, you know, this is a fairly specialized audience, you know, people who go to um, documentaries about military sexual assault in Washington, D.C. You know, sometimes it's hard to shock people uh, because, you know, we... we uh, uh, some sometimes in our corners of the world, whether we got a lot of know it alls, <laughs> uh, and and I and I feel like this we are approaching like another phase. It feels like um, I mean because something's going to happen. You you mentioned the defense authorization bill, Reid wanting to incorporate that. I mean, is is that? <laughs> It's just, it's not a particularly good look for him when he's objecting to it, but it does sound like there's going to be some kind of movement, even if it's, you know, it's partly because he wants to keep it within the purview of his own committee.
2: Yeah. I mean, he can, so he can continue to object, right? He can, um, he can, he can not allow Gillibrand to bring her bill to the floor as a standalone. But the fact of the matter is that she has more than, 60 senators supporting her bill. Um, if the House goes forward with it in, in its version of the defense authorization bill, and over there, it, it has bipartisan support as well from people like Mike Turner, a Republican and a senior member of the House Armed Services Committee, um, it's going to be hard for Reed to Continue to object to this unless he persuades some of his colleagues who have signed on to Gillibrand's braille bill to take sort of the lesser the 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 more restrictive approach or the the less restrictive approach I guess the one that that he's advocating that only addresses these sex crimes uh, but he can't continue um, uh, objecting. Uh, to to he, he he most likely will not object to the bill to the full defense authorization bill itself whether or not it includes this language that bill covers all kinds of policy and has and has been enacted 60 straight years
0: yeah, I I mean that that's the that's the next you know sort of phase I guess that we'll we'll be looking at is just how much uh they'll be able to do as part of that bill and whether that's that is enough to convince people that un- enough is being done. But it does seem like we're we've just reached this point where I mean it can no longer be ignored. I mean, and again you mentioned that the the personal stories keep coming, whether they're you know recent assaults. I mean, you mentioned Turner. I mean, his district includes the. Uh, um, wright Patterson Air Force Base, and and you know, like the power of people going to their member of Congress and them saying, like, "I'm going to uh, address this." It just seems, um, I mean, it's been years in the making, but it's it seems like it's happening. Something's happening.
2: It, it certainly does. I mean, and especially when, like I said, you look at the people who support this bill, uh, Reed and Enhoffer are certainly kind of outliers here. Um, and when 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 you see It's not often that you see Gillibrand and Maisie Hirono and um,
0: Chuck uh, Grassley (laughs)
2: Grassley and Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell all and and Joni Ernst, as you remember, as Mm. you said, you know, another member of Republican leadership all on the same board on the same page. And uh, and. A lot of these people, um, including Joni Ernst, have come around only recently to Gillibrand's bill that they, they previously opposed it, but they support it now.
0: Well, uh, it's going to be a uh, a long haul. Uh, I think you know in in covering it uh, because this it always does take more time than you think. And unfortunately for me, uh, I don't get to do it with you anymore because <laughs> you're moving on. This will probably be your last podcast as a member of the CQ Roll Call uh, Newsroom. But I just wanted to take the opportunity to say good luck in your new venture as the Congress team leader at Bloomberg. I will Congress miss you, Congress editor. Congress editor, uh, editor. Sorry, I know that there are all these uh, <laughs> gradations, uh, but good luck in your venture. Um, I look forward to competing with you uh, on covering this story. Although I, uh, I don't, I don't know how great my chances are <laughs> because uh, you know more about this topic and the and defense policy than anybody I know. So good luck right, to you. Yeah. It's been great working with you, and thank you for kind of walking us through. Uh, this. it's a it's just a really important topic and I
2: appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much, Jason.